0: Um, So, uh, Romans 12, verse 1, says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him do it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your words. We pray, Lord, tonight we might hear what you might be saying to each of us through that word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So uh, we're continuing tonight to think about um, what does a mature Christian look like. That's the kind of the, the theme that's been going on with these series of sermons for the uh, last however month, however many months. I can't remember when I started. To be honest, doing this. It feels like years ago, yeah, yeah, um, and just so you know, uh, it's not been announced, you're the first to hear this, all right, Woo! this is exciting, um, this is uh, the last grow until after the summer, but do not despair, uh, because um, in June and July, we're going to be doing something different, and you'll have to wait for that, this is a little teaser, all right, Um, So we are going to uh, just do some different things uh, over three, possibly four Sunday evenings. But I'm not going to say any more than that. I just leave you desperately wanting to know what it is. Um, So as we've been going through uh, the series, we've been uh, considering all sorts of things. And tonight um, we're looking at this passage particularly, but uh, in particularly uh, verse 3. Um, but it starts, doesn't it, by one simple statement about being transformed. That we should have our minds renewed, our thinking changed and that affects our behaviour and everything else. And that um, renewing of our minds helps us to think differently about all sorts of things. It helps us to think differently about God. Because when your mind is renewed, you know that God's not simply either he doesn't exist or he's out there somewhere in the distance. Your renewed mind knows that he is close by. In fact, he is within you. We know that, don't we? We don't just read about it in Scripture. We experience it. We're aware of it because our thinking has changed. We see God not simply as uh, someone with a big stick looking to beat us up, but we know that God is a loving Father who urges us on to be the best we can possibly be. The best version of ourselves we can possibly be. And we know that he is a God who is intimately involved with creation. Not simply as uh, some ancient philosophers and theologians describe him. as like a great clockmaker who made the world, wound it up and then set it to one side to wind down to destruction. He's not like that. He is intimately involved in our lives, in this world, longing to bring people to him. When we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, we see God differently. But we also see the world differently. Um, See, the one thing that I think uh, reveals the untransformed nature of Jehovah's Witnesses, I'm not being judgmental here, but they always see the world as bad. It's just a dark, dark place that's going to destruction. And yet God describes the world originally as good, and it is still filled with his goodness. That has not changed. When God made the world and said, this is good, it hasn't changed. We may have started to change aspects of it, but it is still filled with incredible beauty. It's still filled with things that reveal the very nature of who God is. As Paul says, "You, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The whole of creation speaks of God. That's not dark, that's not bad, that's not evil. That is good. And a renewed mind can look at the world, even with terrible things going on in it, and see God at work. Can see the world differently. A renewed mind should be able to look at what may seem to most people the most helpless and hopeless of people and see gold within them. Because you can see something of the image of God in that person. And our job as Christians is to bring that gold out of every person, to allow God's image to be revealed in each and every one of us. So a renewed mind should be able to see the world differently, but a renewed mind should allow us to see ourselves differently as well. And that's what I want to think about tonight, seeing ourselves differently. And uh, Paul says in verse 3, For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And uh, I I love that word sober in there, because we know it doesn't mean anything to do with drink. It means about kind of clear thinking, seeing it clearly. But it's actually a great word because we know what drunks are like. There are always two types of drunks. There is the kind of insufferable drunk who, when they have a few pints, think they are God's gift to the world. They can take on anyone in a fight, they can run the fastest, they can they're the cleverest person in the world, and they will argue with you about any single thing. Uh, and then are the other types of drunks who at the moment they have a cup of pints think, Oh, my life's a mess, I'm a mess. And we all know those kind of people. You may be one of those kind of people, but that's what drunks are like. They see themselves with a warped point of view. But we're called to look at ourselves with a sober point of view to think about ourselves clearly and clearly from God's perspective and from the perspective of the reality of our lives we don't live in some kind of fairy story none of our lives are fairy tales are they you know with some kind of lovely happy moments we struggle in all sorts of ways to view yourself with sober judgment takes two different things and brings them together it helps us to to see that we are children of God, I am a child of God we've just sang it and each and every one of us the moment we come to Christ should be able to see ourselves as a child of God, precious, each and every one of us was worth Jesus dying for That should say something about you. And it should help to see yourself from a different perspective. You are a child of God. And the New Testament particularly is great at describing our new identity in Christ. That we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That we have all the power of the resurrection at work within us that we are people who have purpose and meaning to our lives. All of these things are positive, mind-blowing things that we need to get our heads around. We are children of God. Because what Jesus has done, we can come to God and we can call him Abba, Daddy. Not just Father in some kind of formal way, but in an intimate, loving way. We say Abba, Daddy. We are in a privileged position. See, when Jesus died, he changed everything about us. And part of that change was our position in relation to God the Father. We are in a place of privilege. And so we we should be a people without fear because we know God is with us. We know God is within us. We should be a people who are Prepared to, to take this town for Jesus because we know that God is in us and he wants us to be his ambassadors to this town. We are children of God and all of that means. But the other side of it is this. We are people who fall short. Oh, would you like that? Yeah. Yeah. we've all felt like that haven't we You know, oh no just last minute I fell and I failed we know that we should be people who are doing the right thing but oh so often we don't I want to as Paul says I want to do the right thing but I don't we're people who mess up and we carry within us both those two realities that we are these amazing, incredible children of God, and we are complete mess-ups at the same time. It's a weird position to be in, isn't it? Because I know that if you are anything like me, when you've messed up, you've seen some verse, or you perhaps sang that song, I am a child of God, I don't have to be afraid, Yay! I thought, no, it's not me right now. We've all had that kind of paradox, that tension within us of knowing we should be one thing, but the reality is that sometimes we're something else. But both are true. Both are true. And we live in that tension all the time of trying to live up to everything that God has called us to be. But then living with the reality of life, that so often falls short of that. And that can be so hard, can't it? And having a sober judgment of yourself falls somewhere in the middle of all of that. Having a sober judgment of yourself means understanding completely who God has made you to be in the position you have right now. But also being self-aware enough to understand your own weaknesses and failings and being prepared to work with them. See, I look at that verse and I see it as a call to humility. I see it as a call to humility. You know, three times in chapter 11 of Romans, Paul warns the Romans against pride and conceit. That's interesting, isn't it? Here was a group of people who were probably actually struggling in a a fairly difficult city. But for some reason, seem to have pride and conceit and arrogance as, as part of their makeup. And he calls them here to have a sober judgment of themselves. He calls them to humility. He calls them to be a people who carry within them everything that God calls them to be but also to live in the reality, and to not have their heads in the sand about how they are living life. To not have their heads in the sand about their current reality. And so often we can do that, can't we? We can almost be blind to our weaknesses and failings. Three things happened this week that kind of brought this to to light. Because I mean, Christians, of all people, should be the most humble. So often we're not, are we? So, um, uh, was it Monday or Tuesday? I get an email. And um, it's from someone who's had kind of vague connections here. Um, and it's a rant. It's a proper rant. I mean, the first uh, paragraph, which is quite long, was all in capital letters. That's always a bad sign, isn't <laughs> it? You, know, you always know, this is not going to be good. Uh, his first line was, uh, I should say sorry, but I'm not, I'm not going to say sorry about this. And basically um, says things like, uh, where is it? That basically m- this church and every other church, and he names churches in this town, some of the bigger churches, are 99% Christ-free zones. bit harsh, I thought. I thought maybe 50-50, but there you go. Uh, and then goes on to say, you should be praying for God's will. I'm like, have you not been around church? Have you not seen us pray? Have you not seen us struggle with this? Have you not seen the things that we've done to try and get the sense of what God is calling us to? Have you not seen any of that? But he is right. And he even says, if you listen to what I say, then you will do God's will. Wow. Not a lot of humility. Then someone else uh, comes into church, not a member of this church, um, and uh, he gives us uh, his little business card. His email is Anointed84. Anointed84 is his email address. I'm like, really, guy? You know, and uh, he describes himself as a Bible teacher. I think, what are you? Who's said that? Is that some kind of self declaration? that you've just decided that's what you are. It just felt a bit unnecessary, and a little bit lacking in humility. And then uh, yesterday, uh, I was in Liverpool, uh, and um, there was a guy with a, a megaphone shouting at people as they walked past. He would call it preaching, but he was definitely shouting. And he, had, he was ca- proper, you know, a proper preacher, like with a sandwich board. And on, on the back it said... <laughs> On the back, it said this, it said, Wake up, Satan's cattle. I'm like, Wow, that's one way to win friends, isn't it? You know, you are all Satan's cattle, and I'm the one who's got the truth. And those kind of ways of being seem totally contrary to Jesus, Jesus of all people, who didn't consider himself. As necessary to grasp after God as a quality or a quality with God. He made himself a servant, who washed his disciples' feet, who did all those things. We're called to humility. That does not mean that we don't fully understand who we are in Christ and the position that we have. What it does mean is we remember that everything that we have. Is simply gift. It's grace, as the second part of that verse says, according to the measure of faith God has given you. Whatever you have in terms of your spiritual life and your ministry and your walk with God, none of it comes from you. It is all gift. And so we can't be arrogant. We can't be proud. We can't be conceited. It just goes against the gift of God in Christ. C.S. Lewis says that true humility is not necessarily thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. And I like that, because in this day and age, we are encouraged to think about ourselves constantly to think about the things that you put in your body, to think about your well-being. Now, there's a buzzword. Uh, To get into mindfulness, there's another buzzword. All those things about you, thinking about yourself. And in lots of ways, it's putting you at the centre of life. But we all know that Christ should be the centre of our lives. See, the thing is, when we humble ourselves before God as it says a number of times in Scripture, he's the one who will lift us up. He's the one who will lift us up. And so there are four things that I just want to consider for a moment. Actually, it's more than four, might be five. We'll see how we get on. Um, That we should have a sober, considered judgment about in terms of our walk with God. And the first one is this um, understand how much you don't know. See, every time I've come across someone who I would consider truly mature in faith, someone who I would look up to for all aspects of their life in terms of how they do their ministry, the knowledge of scripture, the knowledge of theology, all those kind of things. When you talk to them, they are incredibly aware of just how little they know. You see, the more you get to know God, and the more you get to know Scripture, the more you realise just how little you do know. And we have to get to a point where, you know, I've heard so many people talk about Scripture as if they are the absolute authority on it. I mean, I've been studying Scripture for well over 30 years now. And it's like, There's just so many aspects of it. that just seem to escape my grasp as I try to get my head around it. The more I study it, the more I realise, wow, God's just too big. God is too big for me to get my head around. I can't explain every single thing away. I don't even try a lot of the time now. But maturity is understanding not just how much we might know, but just how little we know. That there's so much more to God than we could ever consider. You could spend a hundred lifetimes studying God and still not get to the bottom of him. Still not get your head around all the aspects of God that we would love to be able to explain away. You can't do it. Because he is just too big, too different. See, in the end as well, it's not about knowing scripture. It is about knowing God that is our primary aim scripture is an aid to knowing our heavenly father it's not an aim in itself at a theological college um, I was in a Christian college but part of our training was in Nottingham University and so we had lectures from some of the tutors there uh, some of whom weren't Christian that's a fascinating experience their knowledge of Scripture was outstanding. We were blown away by their knowledge of Scripture, but they didn't know the God it spoke about. And they would often describe themselves as agnostic, or you know, I think we had one atheist. Um, knowing Scripture does not mean you know God. It should point us to God. It should enable us, empower us to know God personally. But it's not an end in itself. The Pharisees knew Scripture. What did Jesus say to them? A whole bunch of things that weren't very nice. I think for anyone who is mature in their faith, one of the things that they would love to do is talk to brand new Christians about Jesus. Not to be able to tell them what to believe about God, but to learn from them and their new perspective of who God is. I don't know if you've ever experienced talking to someone who's brand new in their faith and they say something that just blows your mind about God because they're so fresh at it. They see it all in a brand new way and they see things that either you've completely forgotten a long time ago or you would never seen before in your life. If you're the kind of person who simply wants to tell people what you know, you're probably not yet mature in your faith. That speaks of insecurity. A mature Christian is probably more eager to listen than to speak. And I would encourage you, whenever in your uh, mission communities, in your small groups, uh, whenever you are in a place where you are talking to new Christians, do more listening than talking. Because it will not only enliven your faith, it will probably increase your faith and you may even learn something that you never thought you'd ever learn from a brand new Christian. We like to get a hierarchy of these things, don't we? I've been a Christian for 30 years, I'm up here, you've been a Christian for 30 seconds, you're down there. It's not like that. God may reveal to that young Christian something about himself that he has never revealed to you in 30 years. How leveling is that? So listen to each other. Listen to those who are younger than you in their faith. Second thing is this. Someone who is mature in their faith understands God's will for their life. Now I need to clarify that. That does not mean that they know exactly where they're meant to be in 5 years time i would actually say that someone who knows god's will for their life probably simply understands that all they are required to do is to do what god has told them to do today we spend so much time thinking about oh you know what kind of ministry should i have what kind of role should i have in church what kind of um, gifts is god going to give me in the future And yet sometimes we are simply required to do what is in our hand at any one time and to simply fulfill God's will for today. Just today. And then see where God takes you with that. You know, it's really important that um, we don't get caught up. And we're going to talk about this in our next sermon series in a uh, few weeks' time. Uh, We think about our place in church we think about how we use our gifts within the body of Christ. But in the end, what we are meant to do is simply, what is God requiring for me today? Let me put all my efforts into that and see where God takes me with it. I never once dreamt when I became a Christian. It took me a long time to think that I might ever become a vicar. That was not On my kind of radar at all. I wanted to be a youth worker. I wanted to be Emily. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. Uh, To be honest, I really wanted to be Mark. I wanted to be a worship leader, but I can't sing and I can't play. Uh, And, (laughs) pardon? Yeah, the difference. No, no, no. Uh, And everyone who wants to be a worship leader but can't ends up being a vicar. That's what they do. Okay. Uh, But, I simply did what was in front of me over a long period of time and God took me down a track I never thought I would go. It is just simply doing what God says to you at any one point. What is God's will for me today? Let's do that. And focusing on that allows you then to develop other aspects of ministry. God's will for your life it's more about today than it is in about five years' time. Associated with that is understands the extent of your gifting. You know, there's different levels of gifting. We are all called to be a witness for Jesus. Every single one of us is meant to tell people about our faith, about what Jesus has done for us we are all called to be a witness. We are not all called to be an evangelist. Some are. Some are called to be evangelists in a local area, like a town like Southport. That's their calling. That's their role. That's what God has given them. Some are called to be evangelists at a national level, to travel from city to city, preaching the word of God, because that's what God has called them to. And others are called to be evangelists Globally and travel from country to country preaching the gospel. See, we each should operate our gift according to the measure of faith God has given us. And so many people want to do the big thing. I mean, I come across, uh, when I say young Christians, I mean kind of young and age Christians who really want to be the big thing. And that's great. You know, I really want to encourage that. But don't allow, no one should allow. Their desire to do the big thing to neglect doing the small things. To neglect simply telling your, peop- your family and your friends about Jesus. To neglect focusing your efforts on developing your gift. I mean, the worst thing is uh, people who want to be worship leaders. I've come across a few of them people who can't sing and can't even play an instrument. I've been called to be a worship leader. I was like, okay, well, go learn to play an instrument. But that's not my call. I'm called to lead worship now. I think you need to do the hard work. And everyone who has come to a level of maturity in their faith understands that it's doing the small things and doing the hard things that allows their gift to grow. And maybe if you're an evangelist, you'll never get to be an evangelist beyond Southport. But if that's what God has given you, do it to the best of your ability. Keep on growing in that gift. Keep on developing that gift. Keep on doing the hard work around that gift in order to be the best evangelist that Southport has ever seen. If your call is to be a worship leader in a small local church, then do that to the best of your ability. Develop your gift Work hard at it and be the best you can be for that small church. If your call is to be uh, uh, to teach young kids about Jesus, then do it at the local level. Do the hard work, focus on that, and see where that takes you. That's what Emily did. She did it in uh, Dad's church in Toxteth, and came and did it in my church at St Andrews, and now does it not just here but nationally for New Wine. And that wasn't something she was chasing. It's simply she did the hard work and the small things, and then God allows that to develop. And whatever it is God calls you to, whatever God has gifted you in, you always need to do the hard work around it. So, for instance, prayer ministry. You know, it's great that we have people who will pray here for, for people who are sick and in trouble and have. Uh, needs and all that kind of stuff. Don't just come and pray for people on Sunday and then forget about it. Read around it. Study the scriptures around it. Pray for a greater anointing for healing. Do the hard work and the small things and see where God will take you. It is always about developing the gift and understanding that maybe your gift has limits. And if your gift does have limits, don't be disappointed with that. God has called you to use your gift in a certain time, a certain place, for a reason. It doesn't mean that your ministry has no meaning or significance. It's just a different kind of meaning and significance that maybe you thought you would have. There's no harm in dreaming big as long as you are still doing the small things and the hard things in order to develop your gifting. Uh, third thing is this, is that third or fourth? I can't remember. Uh, understand where you are on your journey. This is about kind of self-awareness. See, each one of us is on a journey. And um, some of, the, kind of the, the ancient Christians use this kind of language a lot, that uh, we, we're all on a journey to, to growing in Christ and to going to Christ. And there are different stages of that journey. I mean, Pilgrim's Progress is basically a story of a journey. That's about the growth of a person in Christ. And there are different stages to that. And those stages have been described in all sorts of different ways by uh, theologians, kind of present and going back, you know, almost 2,000 years, to be honest. Some of the very early ancient fathers talked about this a lot. But there are different stages. And we each need to understand where we are in our life, perhaps because of the season of our life, but perhaps simply because of the spiritual journey we are on. So maybe right now you're in a place of wilderness. And none of us want to be in the wilderness, do we? None of us want to be in that desert place where it feels a bit dry and a bit hard work and God seems far away. And yet actually, it is a necessary part of the journey sometimes. Working through that is part of what it means to be a Christian. Working through that allows us to grow in our faith and to understand God better. People want to escape the desert place. Jesus went into the desert willingly and spent 40 days there. And it says, you probably all know this, don't you, Luke? He was led by the Spirit into the desert but came out in the power of the Spirit, which I think is a fascinating little thing for us to reflect on. Sometimes it is in the desert place that we grow the most. Maybe you're in a place where everything's rosy, everything's great. Understanding where God is in that place is really important. Understanding the responsibility that God places upon you in that place is really important. And the journey has nothing to do with age or how long you've been a Christian. It is all to do around maturity. Some people mature in Christ really, really slowly. Some people seem to mature really quickly. I can think of, of, of one guy who um, I ended up employing in my previous church, uh, even though he'd only been a Christian for less than two years. He just grew exponentially. I mean, it was incredible to watch. And uh, we encouraged him, we, we kind of taught him he did all sorts of things he came from a place of absolutely no christian background at all uh, got radically saved just bang grew now he's in a place where he's just struggling that's not a bad thing it's part of the journey you, know, you cannot simply keep on growing exponentially you just can't do that that's not how life works i've never ever met a christian who does that have you Have you got any Christians who just kind of kept on growing, growing, growing? No? I'm not that person. No? Great. Uh, That's a relief. Um, Where are you on your journey? And sometimes we can have a really high view of where we think we are. But we have to be realistic. It's no good hiding the fact that right now you're in a desert place. It's no good hiding that. It's no good pretending that you're not there. That is where you are. Be realistic about it. So wherever you are on your journey, understand that place. Be real about that and accept where you are. And in that place, discover what God wants you to do next. See, we actually cannot grow without sober judgment of ourselves. See, sober judgment of ourselves enables us to look at ourselves realistically and think about what really needs to be worked on. Where do I need to go from this place? So when Paul calls us to have sober judgment about ourselves... He does so for a reason. He's not trying to put you down. He's not trying to squash your big dreams. He's not trying to squash that big personality that you've suddenly discovered in Christ that you have. It's to simply say, be real, because you need to keep on growing. You need to keep moving forward on your journey. Unless you're realistic about it, then you'll never grow, because you'll always Either think of yourself so bad that you can't grow, or think of yourself so highly that you never put the effort in. The reality is always somewhere in the middle for all of us. So be realistic about who you are, where you are, what you're doing, about your gifting, about your knowledge. Be self-aware of where you are spiritually. And if you are that, you are always in a better place to grow. Should we pray? Would you like to uh, come up, Mark? We've got uh, one song, two songs? Whatever. Okay. Should we just stand for a moment? So I just, I mean, I just, uh, uh, this verse came into my mind, Uh, it wasn't something I was going to mention in the sermon, but this has come into my mind, so uh, I really feel that um, some of you are doing small things around church, um, and you're wondering what you're doing, and you're wondering what's the point of it, but God says, do not despise the day of small things. And you don't despise the day of small things because if God has called you to be in that place of doing the small things for, pe- for God or for people, then if you're doing that, that's great. You're doing God's will. But maybe those small things are simply a stepping stone to what's next. So don't despise doing the small things for God. Don't despise doing the small things around church that need to be done. Because God's in that. God's in the small things. Father God, we want to thank you that um, that our hearts and our minds can be transformed by Your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we can look at You differently. We see You differently because of that. We see the world differently, and Lord, we see ourselves differently. And I pray that we would have a proper view of who we are in Christ. That we would walk that tension to being all that we can be in Christ and understanding the reality of who we are right now. Help us, Lord, to walk with humility. let me just encourage you to just take a moment to put your finger on perhaps one thing that God is saying to you right now.